My name is Chandelin. I am a mother, an artist, a recovering addict, and this podcast is part of my endless pursuit of breakthroughs. Everybody's watching. Everybody's. No, just kidding. I got my mom here, and she's having a panic attack about doing this podcast because yeah. uh, she's in fear of doing anything publicly. Anything? Yes. Okay. So this this, is gonna, her head. this won't be very. This will be like painless. This will be like so fun. Okay. <laughs> she's like, oh. Look at mom. After after like after we've done like a podcast, then you'll want to do it again. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, no pressure. We're only going to get into emotional trauma. No, I'm just kidding. It's okay. It's okay. No, we're going to be fine. This will be easy. As long as you talk loud enough, we're good to go. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm just going to jump right in because Shanda said, oh, you had to like ask some questions. And then because um, I was like, oh, do you want me to be on this podcast? And she was like, yeah, we need somebody to ask questions. So, um, But Shanda said you guys like, you guys couldn't work together, like at, at the at the beginning or at at a certain point or something. Oh know? no! While I was growing up, we weren't very close. Like it was it was difficult. And then how many years ago? Like we kind of finally connected as mother and daughter, and then we became more like best friends. I would think. I think it was about and the time that you became a mother. Yes, having yeah. an understanding. Yes. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the so you uh, explain maybe what how you work with Shanda now because uh, a lot of people you help her uh, manage her like page and some other stuff, right? Yes, I I answer pretty much most of her messages. Okay. Um, I'm her secretary, support system. I, I mean, just a little bit of everything. Yeah, she helps mm-hmm. me if I have like. Tax problems, but no. When when somebody messages my page, especially needing help, she'll provide them with resources. And if they want to speak to me specifically, obviously I I do. Um, but it became impossible probably a, a year and a half, two years ago, when I was getting thousands of messages, and I'm also p- supposed to be creating videos and traveling and public speaking and being a mom of three, and it just it wasn't uh, feasible any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's grown our bond even more. Yeah. How do you like uh, answering the messages and being a part of it? And what's it like seeing Shanda do this? It's got to be really interesting. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I found my my niche. Mm-hmm. Like what God created me to do is to help these people. Yeah. And you know, help anybody that reaches out. And and some of the questions you get are sometimes off the wall. But the majority is people that are wanting help because they're suffering with addiction or have a loved one. Right. And yeah, I just, I found, finally found my place in the world on what I was made to do, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. My mom's a very, like, service oriented person, Mm -hmm. like, very just kind of like Carrie, just overly to take care of you and cooks way too much food. And empathic. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes with this line of work is a little bit hard, you know, because mm-hmm. you take everything to heart and yeah, it makes it very difficult. I'm always but. I'm always um, like surprised at like the the types of things that uh, people will reach out with, like their problems and things, mm-hmm. and then you have to you almost 
you almost take those problems on to yourself. And then, you know, then like Shanda, she has to like write a song or we have to do something like shoot a video or something. And it's like, I don't, I don't know how she like functions or how she gets through that all the time, but. No, or I don't my, either. Or you, or you, because <laughs> yeah. mom is feeling a lot of the the trauma. And granted, I did for years before that, but she's really taken on the brunt of that. Um, yeah, it's rough. It's hard to do this. But if you don't have a heart to do it, you can't do this. This is what I keep explaining to people. Like, if mm-hmm. you didn't care, it's an impossible thing to do. Maybe you can elaborate on oh, that, no. mom. You, you you genuinely love these people mm-hmm. or you wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, anybody that reaches out, I know I'm not going to get through this without crying. You genuinely love them and you feel for what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and I, I wish I could fix it for everybody. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's like you, you really want to help every person, but then sometimes people aren't even ready for the help or right. they don't, you know, they want to take it. Um, what was it like for you to see Shanda go through like all of her problems and then kind of come out on the other side of this somewhat even even recently, but she's been like growing her audience for a long time and her page has been growing. It's got a, it's had to have been very difficult and then very satisfying also. It, it blows my mind just to see how far she's come, mm-hmm. you know, from what we were going through when she was going through her struggles and problems and um, you know, just to see how far she's come, I I I can't even put it into words how proud I am of her. Mm. But I know also that God's carried her through this, and yeah, you know, she's doing what, yeah, always what she was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Weird little kid trying to read you poetry. I know, <laughs> well, I know. Mom, listen to my poems. I know, and they were so bad they were not well written and because I was she, a child. And when she was little, I I got to admit I was pretty awful. She'd want me to read stuff, and I was working twelve hours in a factory. The last thing I want to do was sit and listen to poetry when I got home from work. Yeah, and I I regret that now, but you know now I get to. And everybody else gets to enjoy it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. No hard mm-hmm. feelings. Well, what was your feeling when Shanda started to like rap? Like she went through the poetry stuff and then went like a step farther into music. Was that like a surprise to you or was it no, just kind of like a natural thing? She, yeah, because she's always been interested in rap. Yeah. And always liked that genre of music. I just didn't know she could do it so well. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like really proud of her. So when you hear like a song that we do, are you like immediately like the critic or you immediately love everything or like how is that? I'm an in-between. Okay. You know? Try to see it like objectively. And the, and- oh, your fans are going to hate me for this. No, please go ahead. <laughs> no, they really will. It's honest. You're, you're for the, the one that blew up, Mama. I loved it. I loved the lyrics. I loved the thought and I thought this one's going to bomb. And I was so wrong. I was my most successful one on Spotify. I know, I know, and I, and it resonates with so many people. But I didn't, you know. And I'm going off the stuff you hear on the mainstream. Mm -hmm. You know, they're rapping about snorting zanny bars and Mm -hmm. you know, not good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how is this going to go over? But it, it, you know, went over so well Mm -hmm. and. And now I feel kind of dumb forever. No, the internet created a a new market where 
I think I'm getting more confident that I can be even in my 30s or 40s and doing doing this because I'm not abiding by mainstream and I'm like really kind of dead set against it. Um, even so. though you're not in your 30s and 40s for people listening. No. no. God, even though you guys think I am, some of you, you only hurt my feelings a lot. <laughs> Listen, I'm only 29, so she mm-hmm. is not in her mm-hmm. 40s. Mm-hmm. My <laughs> uncle... Uh, my uncle told us one time, and he was like in his fifties, and we were just kids. And he said, "We said, how old are you?" And he said, "Oh, I'm 39." And then we told my parents, uh, "Oh, well, you know, Uncle Bob, he's only 39." And they said, "What? <laughs> what did he say?" Because he was like in his fifties. But anyways, that was, I know it's not about me. But the uh, um, yeah, this, what's interesting is like you never know what songs are going to go um, like viral, or or I don't know the right word. I guess it is kind of viral, but mm-hmm. um, but you know, the fact that Shanda's writing about things that she knows. And that's the thing is like almost, we were saying earlier, almost every song is like worthy of some sort of PR or there's a story to it because it's literally just written from a place of, you know, um, like that's genuinely writing from a place of her, what she knows, you know? Well, everything she writes is from her heart. Yeah, exactly. It's either a personal experience or she's watched somebody go through it. Like the tired eyes Mm-hmm. The poem she wrote about grandchildren, you know, grandparents raising their grand grandkids, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, she feels everything she writes. She doesn't write anything off the cuff just because, right? And I think that's what makes it so powerful. Yeah, that's what makes that's I think what makes people connect to it, and that's what yes. like made me kind of excited to work with Shanda was that it was real and it was music that was um, that had a purpose beyond just you know. I mean, music. I love music, obviously. It's my whole life, but I mm-hmm. also it's when you add like meaning to it, it makes it way more like satisfying, way more purposeful. Um, so tell me how you guys first connected. It was you mentioned it was through football <laughs> in a previous conversation, but you you mentioned it was through football. What uh, first of all, tell me about Shanda playing football. I want to know what this is about. She was on the Pee Wee football league. Okay. Oh, we we need to talk about this on the podcast. Stay close to the mic, but yes, um, her. Older brother, I signed him up for the Southside Blue Devils to go play football. Uh-huh. I signed her up for cheerleading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine that, Brennan. Imagine that, football. everybody listening. Me, a cheerleader. I want you to get a good mental image because it only lasted one day. <laughs> it, it, no, it didn't even last that long, not even through one practice. So I take her and her brother, and I go to pick both of them up. I, I think Zach was, what, 10, and you were 8. I can't even remember. You were just a, a little half pint, weren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I go to pick them up, and the football coach comes up to me and said, she hates cheerleading, but she's a good runner. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm like, how do you know that? Well, we kind of let her come and play with us for a little while. <laughs> and I was like dead set against it. I'm like, why not? That's what she really wants to do. We'll yeah. see how long this lasts. Yeah. Well, she played on that team for what three years, and she was their number one running back. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, until she got a little, you know, too big for it because the weight limit cuts off, mm-hmm. you know, for the Pee Wee League. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was crazy. But I really enjoyed playing football. No, she <laughs> really excelled did. at it. Yeah. Is it so do you like football now or is it just something oh, yeah. that was just from oh, like yeah. when you were a kid? Yeah, I still play. I oh, still okay. play Richie and I just played yesterday. Um, and I always play with my little brother. Like after I first had gotten clean actually and I was living down in PA with uh 
my mom and my little brother was there, we would go out every night um, and throw the football back and mm-hmm. forth. And yeah, we would play for like hours and I would crap talk him because I really enjoy doing that. I'm very competitive. Um, it's just <laughs> in my nature. Yes, yes. It, but, but when she was on that team, she her favorite thing, she'd be blocking them with her arms. Uh-huh. She'd be black and blue from her shoulders all the way down to her wrists. Uh-huh. Uh, Want to walk around in the store without her, with a, like a t-shirt because she was uh-huh. so proud of these bruises. Uh-huh. And I'm talking some pretty big contusions. Uh-huh. And the other mothers in the store are giving me stink eye like I'm beating my kid. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling her, you've got to put a shirt on, you know, long <laughs> sleeves because I'm going to go to jail for child yeah, abuse. Yeah. And I really had nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's Yeah, funny. she was pretty proud of her, pretty proud of every bruise she got. So you say that you connected through that and like what did it how did it progress from there with your your relationship beyond football? Well, I mean, we we just I mean, we connected there and then there was a disconnect. Mm-hmm. There was a disconnect when you know, she was actively using and I was going through my stuff Mm because I was going through my own, you know, personal relationship things and yeah. And there was a disconnect for a while. I mean, we never were out of contact or anything, Mm -hmm. but we were just never really like close. We might've been connected during football, but she had a difficult time talking to me or Mm -hmm. interacting with me because especially in my teen years, like I was a weirdo. I thought about the world in a very weird way that just kind of shut her brain down she didn't what didn't know how to communicate with me and Mm -hmm. i'm talking about death and existential things nonstop because that's all i can think about i'm still Mm -hmm. similar i've just toned it down a little bit (laughs) um yeah and so that made it rough and yeah i went through my addiction and she was going through her own stuff so it, it was hard there um it was really difficult but i'd gotten clean i think yeah it was like a year well a couple years into being clean. Like, I think it, we started really actually becoming close maybe three and a half, four years ago. Yeah. I would say. I mean, like super, super, like best friends close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was something I never thought we could ever have. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You just, you, you grow up and you kind of have an idea and you're like, oh, I guess this is all there's ever going to be. It's ever going to be. But I like really valued my mom my whole life and, I would lay in my bed and cry at night thinking you were going to die. And I'd be like, oh, oh, no, I can't lose my mom and stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, podcast being breakthroughs, what was a, what was a breakthrough moment? Um, you said that when, when Shanda had her kids, was that was a, like a, another stepping point. But, I mean, what was the breakthrough moment where it was like um, kind of the pathway to where you're at now? Hmm. I would say when you start working with me, like, because before that you were at Soho and it was hard for mm-hmm. us to be really connected because she's working all the time. Can't really be with the kids or anything either. Cause you, you got the, the crazy work hours. And I think it was like, you started working with me July of 2018. And so she had more free time. Um, and I was able to travel down there because she lives three hours away from me, three and a half, whatever. Um, And she was able to travel up and stay Mm. with me. And I think we were like, oh, we're in contact and now we're doing similar work and sharing experiences there. And then uh, 
you know, not long after that, I went through a really, really dark time. Most of you know about this. And so you got to witness that. That wasn't fun. Well, worried I was going to kill myself and stuff. Yeah, we were pretty worried about that, too. Yeah. And... But I relied on you a lot mm -hmm. during that time. I think it was like one of the first times I fully relied on you. and Tried to support her as much as I could, you know, helping out with the kids when I could and mm -hmm. just trying to be there and while dealing with my own stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think we've made it through pretty good. Do you have another job, or you work part time, or something? Or I do a part time job basically for fun, mm -hmm. just okay. to get for some release. Yeah, yeah. You know, because doing this full time um, and never leaving my four walls, I was starting to get a little crazy. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. So you were just like basically just kind of stay at home working, basically yep. doing this, and then that's tough. I know that for. We do the studio stuff, and we basically live at the studio, and mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, we never leave. And so sometimes my wife and Carrie, we just drive around because yeah. we're just like, what do we go do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, otherwise exactly. we're just at our house all the time. So, um, so what if 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 you could, um, you know, like going forward, you know, what would you what would be the best like best case scenario as far as like working with Shanda and like what comes from everything. Because um, we're obviously we're we're trying to build towards something. Um, what do you see as the as the uh, as the uh, best case thing that we for Shanda and you? Well, it's it's not about me. I I just want to see her pursue her dreams and her goals, and I'm like her cheerleader and her backup. Mm -hmm. And that's that's my goal. Yeah. And right now I'm in a position to be able to do that and to be there for her. Yeah. You know. Yeah, able to help out, and my grandkids, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to be there for them, and yeah. just and it's nice. That's that's the one good thing is I can go up whenever I want and see the children. Yeah. Where before, on a payroll for a big company, I couldn't do that. Right. You know, so there's freedom there. Um, I just want to see her succeed and pursue her dreams. That's that's, great. that's all I care. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Is oh, it shucks? <laughs> is it difficult? Like, is it difficult working with your mom or not at all? No, it's like um, super comfortable. She's compassionate in the way that I am. There are many people out there that are doing similar things that are answering messages. You know, for when people reach out for help on other big Facebook pages, and they're not many of them are not compassionate at all. They don't care what happens to people without insurance. They don't care what happens to people with Medicaid. They don't care if the situation does not apply to somebody getting into their treatment center. Um, and I have always been just really disgusted by that and having my mom like help with the messages and field the messages like she has my voice she has the the same amount of compassion she cares what happens to people the same as I do and I can call her and say hey, this might need to be done differently or whatever and there's there's no problem there um whereas if let's say it's just some treatment center person working right. on your messages like they don't at the end of the day, most just literally do not care. And right. you can't make them care. Right. Um, you're going to hear it in their responses, even yeah. though it's not an audible message. You're going to read it, and you're going to have a feeling walking away that, oh, this person doesn't care about me. 
Um, right. So my mom will forever, as long as she wants to do this, do this with me. Yeah. Now we, I, but we care about every single person, mm-hmm. and it's it breaks my heart that people, you know, don't get that kind of care when they go to somebody else, or sometimes don't even get a response at all. Yeah. Right. You know, I I reply to every single message unless it's something weird or. Mm-hmm. They want feet pictures. Oh, I got one of them yesterday. Please <laughs> just send me a picture of your feet. And I'm like, dude, delete. No, oh my I, gosh, that's uh, weird. Oh, yeah, no, no. That's I bizarre. Get, it happens a lot. Oh, no, there's worse ones than that. But oh, yeah. I'm sure. I can imagine. But Yeah, but I, I don't respond to those kind. Um, but everybody else gets a reply. Yeah. And if they don't and messaged for help, message again. Because it might have just gotten missed, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it was it's rare, but it is rare, but it's it's never intentional. And we'll get you resources. Yeah, you know, I want to see every single person get the help that they need. Yeah, you know. Um, as far as like, because uh, Shanda's like, even though, um, like, she's pretty outgoing, and you were like just oh, deathly afraid. You yeah. didn't want to be on the podcast because yeah. you're like, oh, I don't, want, I don't want to like talk and be in the spotlight. Where do you think Shanda got that from? Then I mean, because because yeah. you're you're more shy, and she's like just totally like on the internet, <laughs> like no, talking I to people all the time. I don't stuff. know. I I think it's just a gift that God gave her. Mm-hmm. You know, I I she's just gifted with public speaking, and she's very influential. How do you think she got her way when she was a little kid? She's very influential. Um, she's just a, I don't know. You just you just have a gift. I grew up as the ignored middle child, so I had to make a way in the world. Oh to yeah, be the noticed. middle child syndrome. She had two brothers, and she was the ignored middle child. She wasn't. Oh, this is true. She wasn't really ignored. Mm, kind of a lot. <laughs> so you had to fight for attention, basically. All right, listen, we're having our breakthrough right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm super sorry about that. No, you're good. I know. I know. You're good. <laughs> no, no, there were times, you know. Yeah. I mean. She could have probably had a more attentive mother, but during the whole time she was growing up, I was strung out on painkillers and, you know, Ativan and Clonopin mm-hmm. and a multitude of antidepressants. Mm-hmm. I spent the majority of her childhood when she was little laying on the couch, mm-hmm. you know, either with my nose in a book or sleeping mm-hmm. when I wasn't working. Yeah. So she didn't have the most attentive parent. Yeah. And neither did my boys, honestly. Yeah. You know, I just kind of left them. It's like, okay, they're fed, they're clothed, the house is clean, they're not dead. Mm-hmm. I can't do anything now. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find purpose in like helping people with their things now being maybe a little more distant in those, in that time? Or is there any connection there to the finding purpose and like helping somebody or? Oh, no, I connect to all of it, you know, connecting with, with people because I've been through a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, that's, I guess that's what I was kind of wondering is getting at, like, a, you know, having gone through some of the things on your, not just through Shanda, but you Oh, too. no, I went through my own, you know. Yeah. I went through my own hardcore struggles and, yeah, so, no, I connect with these people because I've been there, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked what the breakthrough was for the two of you, do you mind me asking what your breakthrough moment was as far as like your, you know, you, you said you, you talked about a little bit about your struggle, you know, and coming out of that. You don't have to, if you're not. Oh, no, no. I, it, it was a crazy 
when I, yeah, I was on all this medication for all of these years and it was prescribed. And um, I decided, well, I'll switch from pain management to another doctor because my copay was like $20 less. Mm -hmm. And I was on benzos um, and all these painkillers and they, they, urine tested you every appointment Mm -hmm. and I was taking the medications as prescribed while my benzos didn't show up in my urine screen. Mm -hmm. So they accused me of selling my pills, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. I was very innocent to that Mm -hmm. whole world and they abruptly cut me off. So I was on benzos for over 10 years, abruptly cut off. That's dangerous. That can Mm -hmm. be fatal. I mean, very dangerous. So I had no choice. I mean, they cut me off of everything. I was on a fentanyl patch. Um, You know, I have a degenerative bone disease, which I won't go into that. But um, because I'm I'm all right now. I mean, it's not like it's terminal or anything like that. But um, I ended up having to go into emergency detox and then try to get off of that you know, for a 72-hour detox mm. to get off of the benzos that I was on and all the pain medication. And it was a living hell, yeah. you know? And I'm not going to lie. I was, like, finding pills on the street after that. That's when I discovered, mm. oh, I can buy these off the street, mm-hmm. you know? And it was it was a struggle until I could get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, yeah, that was my breakthrough. But getting to the point where, wow, I can feel again. Mm-hmm. And what made you stop buying the pills off the street? Like when was you just finally decided like, all right, I'm done with all of that. When I got out of the area we were in, yeah, you know, the relocating, getting out of the situation that I was in with, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of getting out of the, the whole scene mm-hmm. where we were at. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was it? Was it like, like uh, the first time that you had to go to find those on the street? Like, what was that? What was that like? Because oh, I didn't have to go find them; they found me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing if you, yeah. Like so, just it's like, weird just how happened. it works. People just show yep. up in your life, and you'll somehow end up on the conversation mm-hmm. of yeah. one thing. And back yeah. then, like pills were being yeah. prevalent. Oh well, I sold. was. I used to be able to buy them off the internet too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think that the biggest, like a lot of times too, like you, there's like on the internet, you see a lot of people sometimes say like mean things about like people going through like drug problems and stuff, and it's like, well, not everybody that's going through that is just like a junkie or like they're not a junkie person. They're just like a, they're literally normal people just going through like problems. Well, like yeah, I can see how people that are abruptly cut off a pain medication go to heroin. I was Mm -hmm. one step away from that. You know, uh, I was one step away, and if I wouldn't have got out of the area I was in, I would have probably been snorting heroin or worse. Mm-hmm. You know, because because if if the other things find you, the, the next thing is just not far away. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Like we, somebody's- got, we got out in the perfect time because that was pretty much the time, at least around when she got out and I got out. Like pills on the streets were becoming obsolete, and or being replaced with fentanyl and car fentanyl. Like, we would have mm-hmm. not made it. Like, neither of us would have made no. it with the pills we were buying. Get one fentanyl pill and you're done. Especially and that's what's happening to people now. The area we're from, there, I, I think there was like six obituaries that I saw in the last month of people under the age of 40. Mm. 
Jeez. you know, died at home and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of them I know for a fact were overdoses because it's a small town mm-hmm. and it's just, it, it tears me up and it's heartbreaking. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, so did you end up having to go through like some sort of like recovery program or oh, something? Oh, no, or? I did it the hard way. Okay. And my very supportive husband now was with me through the whole thing mm-hmm. and and he's never had any experience with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it wasn't any fun, you know, but he's stood by me and he's still with us. Yeah. You know, and Well, think, and having having done that you're on your own probably makes you I would imagine would make uh, you know, make you feel like, you know, helping people get recovery treatment uh, options like very purposeful, I would mm-hmm. think. They're necessary. And I would say like a more recent breakthrough is since I went through all my mental health breakdowns and all of that and finally made it out on the other side of it, like me and my mom are actively helping each other and like figuring out, okay, what's the next breakthrough? How do I deal with the underlying stuff that caused us to use or whatever in the first place, right? Because we've gone many years without doing the opiates but there's just because you detox and get clean off of something doesn't mean all the problems underneath it are fixed. And I think like we finally got into that level like together. So what do we do with all of these things and, and how do we fix them? And I want to help her and she's been wanting to help me. And it's, it's a really, really cool thing to know that you're not alone doing that. Yes. Um, it's a very cool support system that you, that you get to work together and you know, that, uh, you're helping people. It's very purposeful. And um, is there any is there anything that you either one want to add for somebody listening? Any breakthroughs you want to pass along? I don't know about breakthroughs, but I want everybody to know that I love you and care about you and care about your family. And yeah, so you're not just reaching out to you know, uh, automated response. I'm, I'm going to give some automated responses just because some of the answers are so, mm-hmm. you know, sure. the questions are similar and yes, copy paste. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I would never be off that computer. Yeah. But I just want people to know that they're cared for and loved, even if I've never met you. And, um, you can just call me mom. Everybody else does. Yeah, so. I started doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Everybody that meets me calls me mom. Yeah, yeah. And she's a mother figure. Like yeah. the, the caring, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would say that if you have a broken relationship with your mom or um, one of your family members, uh, it's 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 possible to fix it. So, yeah, and yeah, do it before it's too late. You know, I never got to reconcile with my my sister and I were estranged. Um, and the weekend she came up from Texas was the weekend that she died. And I never got to see her and never got to, you know, mend that relationship with her. And, yeah. So if you have a broken relationship, especially with a sibling or a parent, um you know, do your best to try to make those amends and at least sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. I never got that opportunity with my sister Destiny, mm-hmm. you know, and 
I'll regret that for forever, you know? Is that the uh, I'm Sorry song that we yeah. we recorded, I'm Sorry, and that was your sister? That was my sister. Okay. So that was my little sister. I didn't sister, know that. My baby sister. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was the older sister. She was the youngest. But we were estranged, and drugs had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we just, yeah, I never got that chance to. So when Shanda wrote that song, she articulated everything I was feeling, mm-hmm. you know, the I'm sorry. Um, it was literally that weekend was the weekend Shanda planned a big get-together. And when she found out my sister had died was the morning she called to talk to my sister to say, hey, my mom's coming up, let's let's hash out some plans. And our lives changed that day, mm-hmm. you know, and it was... But I want you guys, anybody that's estranged from a family member, at least just reach out and don't carry that regret like I do. What was your, um, what was your, when you heard the song? Oh, did it speak to you or was it? Well, yeah, I was here with you guys Mm -hmm. when I heard parts of it and Mm -hmm. I was just like, I am now, just Mm -hmm. very emotional. So is that one of those things that every time you hear it, I can't listen to the whole thing. I can't listen to that one and the one that she just did. She Mm. doesn't cry a lot, by the way. No, I don't. Not a common thing. Really? No, I don't. No. Really? Mm -mm. What's the one we just did that you? What's the other one? With Joe. Oh, okay, yeah. That one just. It'll be all right. That one gets me. Yeah. Like so bad. What What gets you about it? I'm just curious. It's, like it's anointed. Uh-huh. I don't know how else to say it. Uh-huh. That song's very anointed. Release me is. I know that. And release me. Mm-hmm. I can't get through that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's certain ones that she does that are just like, the only word I have is anointed. Yeah. You feel the spirit behind mm-hmm. it. And, you know, that came from God breathed, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, cool. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll let off the podcast with "I'm sorry." Then, too, we can throw that in here, and okay. yeah. anybody wants to stream it on Spotify or Apple Music, you're welcome to do so. Do we have any other closing words? No, just that we love you guys very, very much, and thank you for listening and being a part of this always. And hopefully, this helped you understand my my mother a little bit more and the dynamic that we have and her heart. Um, if you're reaching out, you know it's again somebody who really cares. Um, and we, we wouldn't have it any other way. You, you, you are loved. We get a short period of time on earth and we got love to give you. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And if I could physically give everybody a hug that reached out, I would, I, I send virtual hugs. Sometimes that's all I can do, <laughs> but yeah. you are loved and you are cared for and prayed for. Mm-hmm. One last really? question. How was your podcasting experience? If you could rate it from one to 10, and would you do it again? I'll do it again. Maybe I'll get a little more comfortable. See, it wasn't too bad, was it? Yeah. Look at this. <laughs> See, it's so easy. No video. Yeah. It's pre-recorded. No yeah, pressure. Yeah. It's just a real, it's, it's only us three. Yeah. I know. I, mean? I know. It's just, you know, you know me. I'm sorry for the sorry that I never said. Now they're only hollow words inside of my head. There is this emptiness that has filled my chest And I'm sorry You felt like you couldn't talk to me about it I was in the same position And I thought I couldn't live without it Surrounded in that very 
darkness looking for reason I'm sorry you never experienced that kind of freedom Without the bondage of addiction the sky was the limit But it's true that kind of evil will take what you give it You were gone in a minute the brilliant light was diminished And they may call me a cynic but so much is left unfinished You were coming to visit but you never Thank you for joining me on this episode of Breakthroughs with me, Shanda Lynn. Make sure that wherever you're listening to your podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, that you subscribe to my podcast and check us out. Every Wednesday at 5 a.m. we'll have a new episode. Thank you for being here.